Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Boom, boom, boom. Here it is. Six reasons why your listing hasn't sold. We are finally getting these calls and these emails in a very panicked state from agents, uh, most of which are not coaching clients, hint, hint, that are asking, what the heck do I do? My house didn't sell in 22 seconds. Yes. And of course, a few of our coaching clients are saying, gosh, I expected it to sell in maybe two weekends and I tried to set expectations, but here we are in the third weekend. What do I do? What do I say? How do I handle this? So this is a bit of a special request from our listeners and some coaching clients and of course our coaches. So pay attention, take notes. This is all really important stuff. And we're going to be going through six points relatively soon. The long form notes for today's podcast, of course, are available over on Premier Coaching. And if you have not yet joined Premier Coaching, well, I got great news for you. It is free. So you can join Premier Coaching, get access to obviously all the detailed drill down from today's podcast, but also all the other information that you are needing in this shifting market, including a daily semi-private coaching call. So just remember, just you, there's two simple, quick, easy ways you can join Premier Coaching. Just text the word Premier to 47372, text the word Premier to 47372, or just go over to members.timandjulieharris.com. Julie? Yes. So real estate agents, listeners, this is why your listing or listings have not sold. Today, we're going to discuss the six specific reasons, and yes, price is one of them, that are probably causing your listing to sit on the market. But before we examine all those factors, let's keep it real. The one thing that does overcome all of the underlying reason a listing isn't selling is, of course, price. However, the fastest way to get yourself fired from the listing is to always make it all about price. This is something that expireds will say all the time. My previous agent, yeah, when they called me or if they called me, all they ever did was pound me on price. No seller ever wants to hear the phrase, time to lower your price. So let's take a look at the big picture first. Premier Coaching clients, you have the listing evaluation included in your coaching program. So let's look at those six factors. What is the listing evaluation for? It, it's about what we're we're doing the thirty thousand foot you know uh, preview of, of that version of that. And of course, our coaching clients have a very formalized, very specific, drilled down version of that. And so go. We're going to go through all these reasons. Now, here's the thing: you got to be remembering is what Julie just said. Ultimately, price overcomes everything. Price will overcome, um, you know, bad condition, bad location. Price will even overcome a bad attitude from a seller, right? True. Or a bad attitude from a grouchy dog that doesn't like people going through his house. Yep. But the reality of it is, is that you have to get there uh, with the seller. And, you know, uh, the real challenge most of you are going to have, frankly, is you don't have the listing skills to have long-term relationships with your sellers. Long-term, for many of you, means a month. Long-term in this market that's quickly becoming reality is going to be months and when Julie and I listed real estate and we were in Columbus, Ohio, the average days in the market in Columbus, Ohio was 181 days. Do you remember that? I do. And we love to brag about that our average days in the market was only 64. <laughs> and that was before it actually closed. So in all reality, we had this long-term relationship, relatively speaking, of three or four months with our sellers. That's called normal. Mm -hmm. And what many of you are going to start experiencing is the reality that new, the new normal is going to be a protracted relationship which is going to last months. If you don't set that relationship up with that seller, 
when you take that listing, they will fire you in two seconds, especially as we're in a transitioning market, especially because frankly, if you don't have the bedside manner that je ne sais quoi to explain to the sellers the realities of the market, and here's the challenge. It, you listen to today's podcast, you're going to be all charged up. You're going to know what to say, know it, and you're going to know how to say it. And then you're going to go start talking with sellers. And the problem is, is that most of the other agents talking with the sellers, uh, maybe about listing their house, are not going to have this information, not going to be educated and skilled as you. So if you start essentially giving the sellers information that they're not ready to hear because the rest of the market is not telling them, frankly, the truth about what's going on in the market, you won't get the listing. So all this comes back down to skills. But at the back, in the back of your head, understand that there never has been, and certainly, I don't think really, maybe there's been two, other, two or three other times in Julie and I's almost 30-year career in the real estate industry where there's been a better opportunity to become a very powerful listing agent. These transitioning markets, guys, are a gold mine if you have the skill set and the mindset to really be of service to other people. That's right. So this is a really specific way and a little bit of an analytical way to actually look at or evaluate each listing. You can do this when you take the listing, you can do it after it's been sitting on the market. So there are six factors that make a home sell. Rate each of these on a scale of one to 10 and you'll know where you need to do the work to get it sold. Of course, a perfect score is 60, but if your listing isn't selling, it's not likely to be scoring a 60, is it? Do you have something in here about getting feedback from co-op showings? Yes. And feedback from open yep. houses? Okay, perfect. All right, so point number one, condition. When there's little competition and more buyers than sellers to go around, condition matters less, but as more listing inventory arrives on the market, especially if any of it's new construction, the pressure increases to present your listing in its best light. Now, even if you are the only home for sale in your MLS code or for that subject property, you still owe it to your sellers to help them stage it to get the best results. They'll sell faster and for, for more money. So rate your listings condition. Choose a listing that you have, you know, our listing agents that are carrying inventory, or maybe you're about to go on a listing. You can apply this to it. You're going to rate the condition on a scale of one to 10. So what makes your condition rating low? Any or all of the following, and I kind of had fun with this list, and we won't even be super gross here, right? So <laughs> uh, we are sure you'll have more to add, especially our experienced agents, based on your showing experience and your listing experience. But, so here's the challenge. If you guys are like, like when Julie and I, we'd go on upper end listings together. And I was always optimistic. I would very rarely see or smell mostly yep. the problems with the property, but Julie would because I was just so enthusiastic about getting the listing. I just, you know, wanted to get the listing. I figured we could take care of the problems afterwards. Sure. Uh, but again, the challenge you're going to have in a market like this is if you don't prep the house correctly before you actually put it for sale, you're not going to have it sell maybe ever and you're going to lose the listing. And so this is the reason that you have to have be objective as you can about the house. And this is the reason that Julie and I made uh, this checklist. We made this and we've updated this over the years, but really at the end of the day, do your best not to be overly enthusiastic internally. Now, obviously be overly enthusiastic for the sake of the seller. You have to yeah. uh, you know, show the seller that you love, love, love the house, love to sell it. Please, Mr. Seller, uh, you know, this is a perfect listing. These are the types of uh, you know houses my buyers love. Always be enthusiastic. Always ask for the business. But inside your head, you have to realize that that stinky smell is worse, about 100 times worse than you're actually thinking because when buyers are popping through your listing in a market like what this is becoming, they're going to be going through 10 others. And if yours is the one that smells like a cat box and all the others aren't, they're not going to mm -hmm. make it past the foyer. That's right. And just to take Austin, for example, in the past 120 days, Austin has gone from six a low of 600 actives uh, citywide 
up to today, they're almost at 2,500 actives. So you are seeing more inventory and this stuff will matter more. Some of you have gotten away from feedback because your feedback for a long time was choose a contract. Well, so feedback, because mm -hmm. maybe they don't know what the heck feedback is, Julie, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So, feed, so yeah. feedback basically is after there's a showing, you want to um, ask the co-op what the feedback was from their buyer. Um, now you're not always going to get them to respond, but it doesn't really matter. The lack of response is really, you know, sufficient feedback. They didn't like the house, but do your best to get feedback. And, and there you, are a lot of automatic feedback apps and different things to make your life easier on this. Well, homefeedback.com is a great one, but really at the end of the day, if you really want to impress upon the seller, the, um, your professionalism, call that co-op yep. and actually get the real feedback. So you can send that back to the seller and you can let them know exactly what that, uh, what the buyers thought, what we would, uh, what we coach you to do in premier coaching too. And I don't want to step on any Julie's points is when you do open houses, actually give them a survey where, and this is all in premier coaching. So you guys can just download all this premier coaching clients where the buyers walking through or, you know, they essentially will complete a real quick survey. It doesn't even have to be in order that I think ours is four or six questions. Yep. And so you just take a bunch of eight and a half by 11s, you cut them, you know, you print off the survey, you then cut them in half, and then you leave a stack there with some pens and you have them uh, complete their feedback. You know, do, what do you think of the price? What do you think of the condition? What do you think of this, the other thing? And then they put it in a big jar or whatever. And then at the end of the day, you're going to do, um, you know, drawings for whatever it is you're going to give away. Starbucks cards or just something like that. I remember Julie and I did this before in some of the markets we would give away, believe it or not, small TVs and things like that just to get attention. Mm -hmm. So when you're asking, when the seller, when you're, when you're getting hired by a seller to sell your house, they want you, they want to see that you're making an effort. And what a lot of you who've been spoiled by this past ridiculous seller's market, you don't know what effort the sellers expect you to make. Now, if you're going to give the seller a big stack of feedback reports and the feedback is going to be giving uh, the seller all the terrible, horrible news about their house. And it's going to be coming from other people. So you don't actually have to tell them that the house smells like cat pee. You don't have to tell them that the wallpaper is beyond atrocious. The co-ops and the uh, you know feedback through the open houses are telling them for you. Well, guess what? You've just done a great job of basically giving the seller the bad news without making yourself the bad That's guy right. giving the bad news. It's called bedside manner. In situations like that, you need to be the advocate for the seller. You need to always remember, guys, it's, your, it's you and the seller, or frankly, you and the buyer, you know, I don't want to use the word against, but it's a good way of making the point against the market. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not you in the market against the seller or the buyer. You always have to emotionally put yourself on the same side of the table as that client, or they are going to fire you because they're going to feel that you're not being loyal to them. So that's, again, this is another little shortcut basically to telling sellers things that you'd rather not tell them because you're fearful what their reaction would be. Because the funny thing is, is if you were to tell them the wallpaper is atrocious, again, in a market like this, you don't know what their reaction is going to be. But mm -hmm. if all of a sudden some stranger from an open house said the wallpaper is atrocious, the seller's like, well, maybe we should take it down. I don't know why people react that way. I don't care, but that'll save you guys from getting fired. Yeah, it's not your fault. And I have to send out kudos to Larissa Burke in Columbia, Missouri, because she personalized, this is called your instant feedback card. She put her, uh, you know, she made it really nice and formal and a big plus to her seller. So nice job on that. That's been posted on our well, Facebook page. I mean, let's just drill down on that yep. since we're on this sure. topic, right? Mm -hmm. In our show, when we had listings, yep. uh, when we listed real estate and Julie and I sold between 100 and 200 homes per year for almost 10 years, we would uh, not only have somebody, we would use homefeedback.com, which is still in business. I think it's owned by Showing Time, yep. uh, which unfortunately is owned by Zillow. We would use, we had car, uh, feedback cards on the kitchen counter. 
And then we'd also call this, uh, the co-op. So we were actually going after the feedback from the prospective uh, buyer, you know, assuming it was a co-op listing or co-op showing three different ways. Now, yeah, sometimes they would say, well, we left the card on the table and the, you know, the person calling for the feedback would say, well, thank you very much for the feedback. But the seller was seeing all this effort that was being made and that made an enormous impression on the seller when it was come, when it came time for us to ask them to reposition the house on the market to better reflect the buyer's expectations, AKA lower the price. Um, and also the seller will, was certainly more appreciative because when they were at the grocery store picking out their peaches, or cucumbers, wherever the hell they're buying at the grocery store. And they're talking to their neighbor who also has their house for sale. And their neighbor's, you know, bitching about the fact they hadn't heard from their agent forever. Your seller is not going to be thinking that because your seller is going to have been spoiled for attention because you already had the system in place. Being professional, unintended, great consequences by taking a little bit of extra action. So we've been talking about condition. And just so you guys know, you cannot rate a 10 or even over a five on your scale of one to 10 for your condition. If you have any of these or any combination of these, I kind of had fun with this list, questionable or unidentifiable smells. Potential buyers don't like that. Now, worse than that can, can be identifiable, but gross, cat pee, dog poo, etc. Okay, I had a coaching client actually had, somebody had a miniature horse living in the house and the feedback, I kid you not, was quote, shows like a zoo. Well, and then she and then she looked into it because no she kidding. hadn't been in the house for a while. And it turns out that like the seller had this emotional support pony or something. You cannot make this up. I'm not making it up. But yeah, I uh, needed to have some cleaning done. So sometimes identifiable is worse than unidentifiable, but bugs of any kind, mold or mildew in the bathrooms, kitchen or basement. People freak out over mold. Yes. They take it to the next level. They Every think, kind of mold is considered black mold in the mind of a buyer. They think they've walked into, what was that nuclear power plant in Russia? That Chernobyl. Blew? Yeah, they think yeah. That if they if any buyer sees black mold, again, it's because the market's changing and buyers yeah. are going to become more it particular. Matters. And the, if you leave a little black mold in a corner in the bathroom where you know black mold usually lives, all of a sudden your buyer your, your buyer's going to assume the whole house has a mold problem, either not make an offer on it, or when it comes time for inspection, oh yes, we're coming back into the world of inspections. That's you're, coming up. You're now going to have to have, uh, you know, they're going to have a mold inspector. inspector come in. And the next thing you know, your seller's having to shovel out thousands of dollars. You know, had they just used a tiny bit of bleach, the problem would have occurred in the first place. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that applies to kitchens, bathrooms, and basements. And attics. And attics. Okay. So rodents of any kind. Okay. Unless they're pets in a cage, I suppose. All right. Uh, dirty floors, clutter covered countertops, crusty looking appliances, dirty window screens or uh, cracked window seals are bad too. Terrible or boring curb appeal, dead grass, weeds, green pool, if you have a house with a pool, and the list goes on. I, I stopped there because you get the idea. But you can also refer, if you're a coaching client, inside the proven home selling system, we have a whole list of how to prepare your home quickly, how to prepare your home for a home inspection and many other different things that will help you. So what the proven home selling system is, potential coaching clients and current coaching clients, it is a essentially a book that you give to the seller after you take the listing that gives them essentially all the checklists, all the moving checklists, all the things that they should be making sure are you know essentially prepped on the house before it goes for sale. It is this comprehensive professionally designed book that you give to the seller 
that allows, and we, you know, if you want to modify it, go for it. But the gist of it is, is here's Mr. Seller. After you get the listing, after we you know move forward and we get the listing paperwork out of the way, here's the actual next step for you. And these are who you should call for moving, where you should get your boxes, where you should call, how you do your utility shutoffs. How shut to prepare quick for a showing. Exactly. All that stuff's in there. And this is, again, going back to the fact that you're proving to that seller. Now, some of you are thinking, Tim, what are you talking about? I only work with buyers. I'm a new agent. Well, guess what? You are going to get 22 seconds after today's podcast, a call from a prospective seller. Maybe it's somebody you know from gym or church or whatever. You don't even know why. And you're not prepared and you don't have any of this ready. And oh, by the way, you're competing against two other agents. You just, you automatically didn't get that listing, didn't you? You probably will even figure out a way to cancel that listing so you don't have to go. So you don't have to, you know, essentially experience the uh, essentially the, the real emotional letdown of not getting the listing in the first place. That is the downward spiral that we want you to avoid. Because what happens is if you go on a listing appointment and you don't take the listing, there's very few of you that are going to see that as a, you know, essentially a charge to action. Many of you are just going to give up and you're going to essentially allow your business to dwindle. Don't operate like that. Be prepared. Get your listing mojo together ahead of time. Get your listing contract together, your pre-qualification scripts. All of these things, of course, are included in Premier Coaching and the first month is free. And yes, Premier Coaching includes a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris Certified Coaches. All of our scripts, objection handlers, all the things that we talk about on this podcast that we refer back to, um, it's waiting for you right now in Premier Coaching. Just text the word Premier to 47372. You can join now. Just text the word Premier to 47372 or go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Members.timandjulieharris.com. Premier Coaching is your insurance policy that's going to lock in or it's going to dramatically decrease the likelihood of you experiencing any surprise failures. This is about you moving forward because of this market. So text the word Premier to 47372 or go to members All right. So again, we're talking about the six things that will cause the house to sell. Number two, location. Now you can't change this. So just go ahead and rate it on a scale of one to 10. A low rating for a house that backs up to the freeway or sits at an intersection with a stop sign light right there, like in the front yard or the side yard. A low rating for a scary neighborhood or a hoarder next door. Again, things you can't change. Maybe it's in the flight path or near a busy railroad crossing. A great location is a safe neighborhood with sidewalks, tree-lined streets that everybody wants to move to. You guys know the difference, especially those of you who have been showing a lot. And your buyers or the co-op buyers are going to be going to all the public access sites to learn about how many child molesters there are in the area, what the crime rate is in the area, what the this and the mm -hmm. other thing. You better do the same thing as well so you can be prepared. Now, I'm going to give you guys a quick script. Mr. Seller, listen. The fact is, is that selling a home successfully comes down to three things, price, condition, and location. Now I have three quick questions for you, Mr. Seller. The first question is, is do you plan on changing anything with regards to the condition of the house? Do you plan on remodeling the kitchen or adding a bedroom or a three bedroom and the market's mostly four bedrooms or do you plan on getting rid of the pool in the backyard that needs a lot of work or adding a pool? Do you plan on dramatically changing the, the condition of the property? And the seller, of course, is going to say no. Then the next question, Mr. Seller, I have for you is it's really about the location. I mean, the location is what it is. We can't really change it. We've had some negative feedback about the fact that it's on a busy road next to a railroad tracks on a flight path. Um, you know, right. Exactly. So you have some, no, whatever. I'm just trying to make you guys laugh, but the reality of it is Mr. Sellers, the location is what the location is. And fortunately, based on the feedback, we haven't had very much feedback on that. People don't like the location. So that's a good thing. 
So Mr. Seller, ultimately, if we can't change the condition in a meaningful way, if we can't change the location at all, obviously, the only thing that leaves that we can have a positive effect on is going to be the price. So my, my suggestion to you, Mr. Seller, is after two weeks or 10 showings, if we don't have a written verified offer on your property, we need to reposition it on the market so that we correctly reflect the market's expectation or the buyer's expectation. I'm sure you'll agree that just makes sense. You guys get it? Now I blaze through that script and there's more interaction that comes from the seller as part of that. But the reality of it is, is that's what you need to learn how to say in order to get the sellers to listen to you. And this will give you an unfair, a very, I think, unfair advantage in your marketplace because most of the agents have never learned how to actually counsel sellers, let alone uh, more experienced agents and by more experience, if they haven't been in the business for at least 15 years, if they've only sold from 2008 forward, they don't know how to work with sellers in a market like this. And that is an advantage to you if you do. So remember that. Learn what other people uh, don't know how to do. Learn what others, you know, essentially real estate pros don't know how to actually, uh, the sellers, they don't know how to help. And you're going to have an advantage in the marketplace. And here's the thing that's exciting. You're going to get that call out 22 seconds after today's podcast, and you're going to get that listing. How do you feel now? Think how motivated you are to go get more listings. And that's how it starts. Exactly. So point number three on our six-part evaluation here for listings, the number and frequency of showings that your listing is getting weekly. So rate your listing on a scale of one to 10. If you have slow or no showings, According to the National Association of Realtors, you are likely to be about 10% overpriced and possibly more than that. If you have consistent showings but no offers, you're usually just 3 to 5% overpriced. So rate your listing high if you're getting lots of showings and second showings because you're probably close to selling it. But rate it low if nobody seems to know that it exists or you go days or weeks between showings. Note, price overcomes lack of interest as well. In the Complete Home Seller Guide, there is uh, several pages that will explain to the seller what Julie just said in a you know very easy to understand visual, um, one of which is like a, you know, a target, like if you were shooting arrows, mm -hmm. and that does make a good impact on sellers. Your mission should not have to be to ever give sellers bad news because the problem is emotionally, they're not gonna be equipped to handle it, and they will take out, they will abuse you in some cases, especially now, so what you're gonna to wanna to do is you wanna give them the information. We're giving you all kinds of ways that you can sidestep having to walk into the mouth of the saber-toothed tiger. So yeah. take the advice and use our systems. You know, it was really awesome. We used to, everything we're talking about today, yes, you can apply to a listing that hasn't sold in a few weeks. It used to be a few months when we would do this, right? I know. Um, but every, we eventually used a lot of this in the beginning when you took the listing. I will never forget this particular thing where we would talk about this at the table with sellers where, you know, it's kind of like the two weeks or 10 showings, if it doesn't sell, we need to reposition the home. I will never forget having sellers actually call us yeah. who had kept track. Okay, well, it's been two weeks. You guys have done two open houses. We've been getting some showings, but we've noticed this dropped off. So I guess we ought to reduce our price. They would actually say that occasionally and call and, and basically do their own price reductions. It was shocking, but you know why? It's because, it shouldn't be shocking. It's because we were setting the expectations early enough in the relationship that, hey, you know what? We're not gonna just keep it at the same price for 90 days or six months and see how it goes. According, and in this script, we are able to blame the National Association of Realtors for stating that, look, if you're showing to drop off a cliff and you don't have any offers, you have a problem. And by the way, if the market becomes more competitive, AKA a buyer's market, yep. then what we're going to also show you guys how to do is write into your listing contracts, a simple addendum that tells that where the seller agrees to ahead of time, where there'll be price adjustments um, 
essentially along the road to getting the property listed. So after two weeks or 10 showings, or you have to adjust accordingly. If it's a more expensive house, it's going to get fewer showings and take longer to sell naturally. But the reality of it is, is you, if the market gets, uh, and I frankly don't think this is going to happen, but if this were to become more of a buyer's market in a meaningful way, I suppose it's true in some markets, then what you do is you actually work into the listing contract when the price adjustments are supposed to happen. And again, never say you lower the price. And when those adjustments are supposed to happen, you're going to have to work in something. And this is all on premier coaching where the seller is going to have to, you know, text back or email back acknowledging uh, that the price is being adjusted. Now, yeah. one of the advanced tips is get the price adjustment form signed uh, and then predate them when you're taking the listing contract. That way, frankly, you don't have to have any communication because the sellers already agreed to adjust the price so that uh, the house correctly reflects the market's expectations. That's probably pretty radical thinking for some of our listeners. Well, I don't but, think you I, know. I, maybe not in every, but not in every market. Don't do this across the board yet. Right. But just you know, one of our points from a previous podcast was the market is not going to shift all in the same direction in every single zip code all at the same time. Mm -mm. You're going to have hot pockets. A lot of you guys are still getting multiple offers, but we've already seen a lot of requests, as we talked about at the top of the pod. That you know, you guys are asking, gosh, what happens if we're on week three and it hasn't sold yet? So well, the problem, I'm, I'm, as we're going through these points, I have a feeling that what a lot of these agents are thinking was, what are you guys talking about? My market is still on fire. It's still a crazy seller's yeah. market. Listen. Agents, Julie and I have been in this business for almost 30 years. We've sold real estate and we've coached real estate agents. I don't know who else you're listening to or what else you're, you know, essentially consuming as far as uh, media and content. Please listen to what I'm about to tell you. The market will change and the market changes incredibly fast. You have no flipping clue how fast the market can change. Anyone that's been the in the business, as long as we have, will tell you. It can change in a, in a week. It can change in yeah. two days. If the, I remember there are so many hard stops that happen in the real estate market. And some of them are obvious. September 11th, uh, you know, essentially when Lehman Brothers failed and all these other types of things. COVID, there was a big slowdown mm -hmm. then. They, you will see, and it is going to happen, especially as we're entering into these different times, politically, unfortunately, and economically, there's so much uncertainty out there. There will be hard stops in the market, which will take buyers out of the market, which will cause in some markets, too much inventory, which will create opportunities, obviously, for agents that have the skill set. But if you don't have the skill set and you're not knowing what to tell the seller ahead of time, you're going to get fired or you might not get the listing in the first place. This is the reason you have to get yourself educated. You have to train up before you need the skill set. Doesn't that make sense, guys? You know, we obviously, we're just like you guys, you know, hope the best, but be prepared for the worst. How many of you are still hoping for the best and not prepared for the worst? This is your opportunity to learn what you're going to need before you need it, or in some cases, maybe you need it now. Next point, Julie. Next point, number four, your current price, or the, you know, I say your current price because it's your listing versus the price of competing homes. So rate the listing that you're, you're applying these points to. A 10 is when we look it up online and it seems to be really well-priced for the amenities and we can't just go buy a new home around the corner for $15,000 more than your listing. A low rating is if you are obviously overpriced versus the competition. For example, a two-bedroom that's priced like it's a three-bedroom or a no-car garage priced like it's got a two-car garage. So again, you have to watch your price. And as we see more inventory, this actually becomes a little bit easier because when you pull it up in the MLS, you're going to have some things to compare it to versus being the only thing available, right? So a little trick that I learned from our practice and many, many thousands of coaching calls is let's say that you've got a subject property that's not selling. It's a four bedroom, okay? And it's been, it looks like it's priced against the other four bedrooms. 
Well, price it like it's maybe on the upper end of a three bedroom in those same neighborhoods. That way all the three bedroom bar, you know, buyers that are out there go, you know what, if I could get a four bedroom for about that price, I gotta go see that today. Point number five. So, point number five, your seller's level of cooperation. Now this can be a tangled web, can't it? So rate your listing on a scale of one to 10. Is the seller, for example, preparing the home prior to showings by making the beds, keeping the dishes done? Are they turning on all the lights and getting the man-eating dogs out of the house? The rodent collection that Julie mentioned earlier, <laughs> the, not the ones running around in the rafters, but the actual ones in cages. Are those stinky little things put someplace else like somebody else's house? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you guys, and you know, this is, Julie's wrote a little list here of other things to consider. Are they restricting showings? Are there 15 security gates they have to go through? Are they, you know, moving the key? Are they just basically being pains in the butt about getting people through the house? All of these things are going to make it so a busy buyer's agent and a motivated buyer is going to want to pass that house and go buy something else. It's that one of the most common complaints I actually see on agent boards posting about each other is that listing agents have ha themselves have had too many restrictions if it wasn't generated by the seller. And the buyer's agents always accuse the listing agents, well, you're just doing it so you can sell it yourself. And maybe that's the case. But you know, when you have competition and you have too many restrictions, then you're possibly the reason that it's not selling. Same thing with too much security, security gates. You know, if it's hard to see it, it's hard to sell it. And they're going to fire you for no showing. So it's their fault that they're not allowing the showings, but you're going to get fired for no showings. And that's what's going to happen. You know, Mr. Seller, listen, I appreciate the fact that you're asking me why I haven't personally been showing the property more often. And the truth is, Mr. Seller, I am definitely working full time to get your property sold. So I might not always be the agent that's showing the property, but I am the reason it's getting shown. These are the types of it's scripts. A great script. I it love is. that script. These are the types of scripts you guys are going to have to learn urgently. Otherwise, again, you're going to be on the downward slope of your careers, even maybe in some cases before they even started. Next point, which is point number six. Next is point number six, your seller's level of motivation. Is the seller only going to sell if they get their price or your price? Maybe you mispriced it. Is that price reasonable if you fix the other items on the list that we discussed, or are they just too aspirationally priced for the market? Now, let me really drill down on this. You might have a very, very motivated seller. But if you oversold uh, a price to that seller, they're not going to lower the price out of spite. I that's know that true. sounds crazy, but it's true. So if you basically bought a listing or if you told a seller an aspirational price, you guys picking up on all this vernacular we're throwing at you, that seller emotionally committed you to that price. All right, Julie, you're getting this listing because you priced it of 980000 even though, you know... Uh, Three other realtors told him that it was worth 850. I'm going to list this with you. And what the seller is saying to themselves, if Julie doesn't sell this listing, she lied to me, get the listing and I'm going to list it with somebody else. Yeah. I'm not going to give her, I'm not going to allow her to sell the property. This is all subconscious that goes on in a seller's mind. Sometimes it's conscious and they'll actually say this to you. I'm not going to give her a price reduction because I felt like she lied to me to get the listing in the first place mm -hmm. and I'm going to fire her and list it with somebody else. This is all about seller's motivation, but do not assume that a seller is, you know, again, there's lots of complexity to a seller's um, psychology in a changing market like this. And you have to be very careful. There are many markets around the country where Julie and I watch them like a hawk for rental properties that we have in those markets, but maybe other places we want to buy rental properties. And we are already seeing these little BS price reductions. Look, Mr. Mm -hmm. Seller, listen, I appreciate the fact your house, you know, let's say the house listeners is priced at 500,000. And let's say the correct price based on the three most recent comps is 450. And the seller wants to lower the price by five grand. 
Don't do a price reduction by five grand or There's even ten grand. This. Yes, it's called. Here's Mr. Seller. Listen, um, I'd rather turn you down now or let than let you down later about this price reduction. Because the reality of it is, is that in a marketplace like this, where the buyers are so clearly telling us the house needs to be positioned at four fifty. Remember, the buyers are telling us. The market is telling us, not me. I'm not telling you. I'm not making the seller wrong. The market is. Mr. Seller, in a market like this where the buyers are so clearly telling us that they're um, willing to pay 450 based on these three recent sales, I'd rather turn you down now than let you down later at having to come back and ask you for another price reduction or several other price reductions. So let's just keep the price where it is until you're ready to reposition the house so that it correctly reflects the market's expectations. Again, never say lower the price. But guys, you have to pre-qualify that seller when you take that listing. Because when you pre-qualify the seller, you will know what the seller's hard stop date is because every seller has one. And again, it goes back to the pre-qualification script. Mr. Seller, if the ha- you know, like a FISBO, this is part of our FISBO script. You know, so Mr. Seller, if the ha- um, you know, ideally, when do you want to have this property sold? Oh, you want to have it prop- you want to have it sold within the next 90 days. That's fantastic. So Mr. Seller, if you're not able to sell this property yourself within the next 90 days, what's your plan B? And listen to what they say. I'm popping around a little bit, but I want you guys to get the gist of it. I'm looking for what their plan B is because chances are they have, they don't have a plan B. You know, what you're looking for is are they planning on renting it or are they planning on staying there? If they don't say either one of those things, then you know that is a prime primo listing when you're hunting FISBOs. But these are all the types of uh, questions you need to ask before you take the listing. If you, you know, guys, at the end of the day, this is a very, very, very easy business to be successful in if you're following a system, if you're asking the right questions in the right order, if you're being a professional. And it's an incredibly easy uh, business, frankly, to spend ridiculous amounts of money doing the wrong thing and fail out quickly. And that's unfortunately what's going to happen no matter how much Julie and I try to avoid uh, all this happening to our industry. Right now, we're going to see most definitely a lot of agents needlessly suffer. And it breaks our hearts, but it's up to you guys. You listening right now, it's up to you to decide whether or not you're going to wait to uh, essentially to realize, hey, you know what? I should have listened to Tim and Julie and I should have actually learned the skills necessary for this market. Or are you just going to quietly fade into the history of the real estate roadkill? It's up to you. Yes. So we've just given you six points about things that cause your listings to sell. So what is the overall score when you add up the listing that you've been scrutinizing here on a a scale of one to 10, but the points one through six, where, where does it have the lowest scores? Is your condition terrible, but everything else is okay? Does it seem like everything was okay, except your seller's not really cooperating? What does the feedback tell you after showings? Are you even getting feedback? So here's your homework. Put your unsold listings through the filter and decide what your action plan will be. And listen to our next podcast about additional strategies to get your listing or listings sold faster. Because in addition to price, we have lots of other strategies we're going to be talking about, I believe, on tomorrow's podcast. So pay attention to that. But this is a great list to have in your head. At a certain point, Tim, you and I both had all six of these things. I, I We could almost read each other's minds walking through a listing presentation. We were thinking, okay, well, that that condition thing, maybe we need to work on that. You what I, are we listening to about the seller's motivation? All these hints that we're getting. We never sold in the seller's market, ever. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe uh, Clintonville. Certain pockets were, but yeah. overall, no, I would We may have that. had a hot listing occasionally, yeah. but you and I always sold in a buyer's a normal market, market or, or a balanced, balanced market, market right? Yeah. But it was never an easy market. I know. I was thinking as we were going through, these are kind of the light transitioning <laughs> <Totally>. market scripts, <laughs> right? That are pretty digestible, not full of a lot of conflict. 
Do you remember when it was more of a buyer's market, just to give them a prequel? You remember the script when, when you're pricing something at the table? This isn't even a reduction script. What's the price that makes your heart stop? Yeah, well, I Harry, mean, that's way too radical for them right now, but that gives you an idea of the swing that this can have. Harry, how about this one? If there's a condition issue that the seller's not willing to fix, there, this is only if it really becomes a buyer's market. There's a sick secret rule that we'll teach you guys in Premier Coaching called remove homeowner. And sometimes all their stuff. And all their stuff. In other <laughs> yeah. words, find them another place to live and go in there and have a crew go in there and basically gut the house. Seriously. Remove all signs of homeowner, then magically the house will sell. But let's hope and pray that the market <laughs> doesn't get that bad. In the meantime, guys, your homework is to join Premier Coaching. There are no two ways about it. It costs you nothing. It takes you about 22 seconds to join. So text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. And remember, if you're texting, message and data rates may apply. Thank you for continuing to keep this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. You guys have a fantastic day. Remember, there's thousands of past podcasts, and I'm not exaggerating, and YouTube videos that are waiting for you to get your education on. Do not delay. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.